Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones. And yes, I am the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. I got to mention this, Who That Nation. Uh, I've been noticing, you know, the likes have been down lately. Like, what's going on here, man? What's going on? All you have to do as soon as you file in, go ahead and hit that like button, okay? If you enjoy the State of the Saints podcast, if you want to show love, you want to show your support, go ahead and hit that like button, okay? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's been down as of lately. So I'm just asking everybody to hit that like button. If you enjoy the content, we just want to make sure that we get the State of the Saints podcast out there, and uh, I need your help with that, all right? So if you can hit the like button before we get started, and if you're new, I ask that you hit the subscription button. But if you're on the fence, hopefully by the end of the show, I would have changed your mind as well as everybody else here because we are a very interactive podcast. Uh, we we answer questions. Uh, we read comments, rather you donate or not. This is how we do it here. Okay. And I enjoy uh, being here and I I'm, thank you for being here as well. Rather you're in the chat or you're listening wherever you are, wherever you may be. You know, um, as people follow in, man, I, I just thought this was very interesting. Um, so I, I just finished up, uh, you know, doing some recording uh, for my uh, broadcast this afternoon. And I thought it was interesting. I was reading on this uh, website called nationaltoday.com. It, it tells you things that you need to celebrate each and every day. And I thought it was the funniest thing in the world that today is National Winnie the Pooh Day. All right. <laughs> now, I'm I'm 36 years old, man. So I grew up on Winnie the Pooh. I mean, a lot of people read those Winnie the Pooh books. Like if you remember, uh, some of you, I'm probably going to lose with this. But when you first open the book, there's this this portrait of the Hundred Acre Woods. It's a map, right? And you have to locate all of your favorite characters. Uh, but I, I just enjoyed the Disney cartoon Winnie the Pooh. I, I grew up on that, man. And and when I seen that and I read it, it just made me think about that theme song. Now, uh. I'm not going to say it, but y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, man. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, but I just thought that was very, very interesting, man. So um, always, always cool, man, when you can, you know, you find out some things like that. I mean, I definitely had some nostalgia just thinking about that whole Winnie the Pooh situation. But we're not here to talk about Winnie the Pooh. We're not here to talk about Eeyore. We ain't here to talk about Piglet or Tigger. We're here to talk about the New Orleans Saints. We're here to talk about our favorite team. And we're here to talk about the quarterback situation because this has been a topic of discussion the whole entire season since the beginning of the season and with Jameis Winston. It has been the topic of conversation. Then when Jameis Winston got hurt, it still was the topic of conversation because everybody was talking about how Jameis Winston was screwed out of the starting job for Andy Dalton. And then when Andy Dalton came in, all of a sudden, you know, he left a lot of things on the field. You know, he was captain conservative, right? Captain mediocre. And he left, you know, he left all of us, you know, with drool in our mouths, you know what I'm saying, off the side of our mouths, I should say, because we were asleep watching him play the quarterback position. So I think that we're all in agreement, for the exception of people that just like mediocrity and just like to be stagnant and just don't want nobody to toe the line. Like, you probably like Andy Dalton. But for the, the most part, most of us who actually care about winning, who actually care about championships, who care about Super Bowl appearances, we, we believe that this isn't the direction that you want to go in, right? You, you want something more exciting. You want somebody that's going to go out there and not only facilitate, but also be able to make plays when necessary. 
not just out here just trying to make the right throw and make the best decision and taking sacks and throwing the ball out of bounds. We like to see somebody will and deal, right? I mean, I know I do. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of over this whole situation, especially for the last 15 years. Rather, the Saints were winning double-digit games or not. There's one thing that you can never say about the New Orleans Saints is that they were boring. The Saints weren't boring. Like for 15 years, the Saints were not boring. No matter if the Saints lost the game, they were always in it. And we always knew that a guy like Drew Brees would be able to deliver. And I'm mentioning Drew Brees because some of y'all need to understand this. Some of you have become really, really complacent when it comes to the quarterback position. You are so focused on somebody just doing the right things versus a guy that you know for a, a a person that you know for a fact can get the job done. Like, we know that guys like Breeze can get the job done. We know that, you know, some of these legendary quarterbacks could get the job done. Now it's just all of a sudden like, man, can the guy please get it into the end zone? We should never, we should never sully ourselves and, 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 and go down into the mud, you know, just because that's where everybody else is. There's a standard. That was set in New Orleans, and I feel like that standard is slowly starting to go away. And I'm very, very, very concerned about that. I'm talking about when I'm reading stuff on Twitter, you finding the most mediocre quarterbacks you can find in the league, man. I, I take that. I take that. I Look, I'm not trying to be in the business of I take that. I'm serious, man. Now, this isn't just football life this is real life you should never settle for nothing but the best like yeah sometimes you know you gotta kind of navigate a little bit so you might find yourself wilding in mediocrity you might even be in the mail room somewhere but eventually you want to have those ambitions that eventually you'll be on the executive floor and some of us are getting way too comfortable in the mail room because every time i open up my twitter account i'm seeing people just come out with all these different names of quarterbacks that are about as mediocre as a c plus so i think we need to get back to to what's real right there's a standard at playing a quarterback position that drew Brees left behind and we shouldn't fall back from there just because we had one year of captain mediocre andy dalton like we we need to get away from that all right what we need to do is focus on the future. So how do we do that, Who That Nation? How do we do that? How do we embark on this new voyage and find what we're looking for? Now, if you looked at the thumbnail um, that promoting this episode, you see that I had three quarterbacks on there, right? I had Derek Carr, who is now the quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders, but all signs indicate that he is on his way out. Uh, you got Jimmy Garoppolo, um, due to the fact that you draft Trey Lance. I'm talking to 49ers. They drafted Trey Lance last year. And then you have Mr. Irrelevant this year, Brock Purdy, who is playing nothing but, you know, like somebody that is completely relevant. And then you have Jimmy G. So, of course, more, more than likely, somebody is going to be acquiring the services of Jimmy Garoppolo. And last but not least, we got Lamar Jackson. Um, you, you've been reading the tabloids. You've been reading the press clippings. You've been reading the tweets. It seems like this guy is not happy with how the whole contract negotiations have transpired from, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was around September when the Baltimore Ravens presented a contract to him 
and he ripped that thing up and he said he wanted to guarantee money, right? So it, it seems like to me like this is on a little bit of a tailspin. Now, take it for what it is, man. Some of this stuff is just, you know, for entertainment purposes. We don't understand or know how how severe this situation is if it's worth like somebody just sitting down and just working it out or the fact that both sides are just disgusted and they just feel like they will never reach a conclusion. Now, we don't know how that is, but just for entertainment purposes and also just dialogue, um, I feel like it's worth talking about. You know, you look at these three quarterbacks and then you look at Dennis Allen, you know, and I'm, I'm saying this because, look, rather somebody wants to admit it or not, uh, Mickey Loomis, they can come out here and, and give us all this fluff stuff like they always do and be p- politically correct. They can do all these things. OK, we know the whole PC route, but Dennis Allen is on a hot seat going into 2023. He's on a hot seat going into 2023. This dude job is not safe. You know, in the words of that song, uh, no limit. No, not no limit. Uh, It ain't safe. It ain't safe. It ain't safe. It ain't safe. It is not safe. It is not safe for Dennis Allen, all right? If I had that soundbite, I would actually be playing this right now. But it ain't safe, you know? Um, and this dude has to this dude has to generate some results, period. He has, to, he has to come through with the goods. Last year, you can have all these excuses. And quite honestly, that's one of the reasons why I'm completely off of Dennis Allen. Because Dennis Allen has more excuses than a girl walking up to a pimp and he asking him, well, he's $100 at like that that's what it is it's always an excuse oh uh, well you know this guy's injured uh yeah thank you g easy i couldn't think about the name i couldn't think about the name of the song thank you chosen g easy all right um but anyway it's always an excuse about dennis allen it's always an excuse about what what he don't have what situation he in and like why would why would you want to have a coach like this right I don't want a coach that makes excuses, even though if the excuses that you can eat, you can make that are so obvious. That are so freaking obvious. But it just seemed like to me, like he just it it comes off as whiny and a person that just complains a lot. If that makes any sense. So that's one of the main reasons why I'm not really high on Dennis Allen, but definitely he's definitely on the high seat. And and if I know that my job was in jeopardy. I would try to do everything in my power to make sure if I'm going down, I'm going down my way. Okay. This is some, this is some, some Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin type stuff. Like we, I am doing it my way and I cannot see, I cannot see Dennis Allen putting his hopes and his coaching dreams in the hands of a rookie quarterback. I just don't, I, I do not believe this now. I mentioned this on the last episode. If Dennis Allen goes out here and drafts a rookie quarterback, he's definitely going to be bringing in a guy that can serve as a bridge. Now, if he brings in a guy that serves as a bridge, who that nation, I'm telling you right now, none of these guys are going to be on the list. None of these guys, because rather you think that Derek Carr is good or not, Rather you think that Jimmy G is a game manager, rather you think that Lamar Jackson, the way that he plays the quarterback position, it won't be sustainable for five to 10 years, regardless of where you stand. There's one thing about each one of these gentlemen that you have to concede, that in their minds, 
none of them are considered bridge quarterbacks. So if the Saints were to select any one of these gentlemen, there will be, I'm telling you this right now, there will be no rookie quarterback. And if there is a rookie quarterback, it won't be one of the gentlemen that we are very high on. It won't be, you know, one of the C.J. Strauss. It won't be a Will Levis. It won't be one of Bryce Young's. It won't be a Hendon Hooker even. It is going to be a guy probably in some late round somewhere. Probably a guy, you know, that kind of falls to you. I wouldn't even surprise me if it's somebody like a Stetson Bennett, like way late in, in, in some round somewhere. That is what I feel like because they do not want to sign a guy and then draft a guy that can be looked at as a threat to that starting quarterback. And I really feel like Dennis Allen is going to go that route. And the Saints have to be very, very careful with that nation because it could easily blow up in their face because you can find yourself in a Russell Wilson situation. Let me elaborate on that. Okay. You got the Denver Broncos who made the deal with the Seattle Seahawks. They brought in Russell Wilson and everybody thought that the Denver Broncos was going to take off due to the fact of Russell Wilson's production and the way he has played the quarterback position throughout the years, and they stunk. So all I'm saying is we got to be very, very careful about this because if they do sign one of these gentlemen and you don't bring in the right coordinator and you don't put the right pieces around them, we might find ourselves in the, the same type of position as the Denver Broncos. So this is tough right here. On one hand, I feel like they need to draft themselves a, a rookie quarterback. On the other hand, I'd rather them sign somebody for Dennis Allen because giving him the opportunity to select the guy that he wants, it no longer gives him that out, oh, this happened, that happened. It was your choice. It was your choice to select this individual. If you start going through the draft, there's always that excuse. And, and like, I, I don't feel bad about saying this because all this dude does, for my, in my honest opinion, is make a bunch of excuses. Do, you, we lost because we didn't have this, we didn't have that. So what is it to Dennis Allen to make another excuse about a rookie quarterback not being everything that he needs to be or he has to grow? Using that excuse, that gives them ground to bring this clown back. And I don't want that. Okay? This is make a break for Dennis Allen. And I just feel like you need to put him in a position where he can uh, allow him to get air, all the coaches that he want, all the coordinators that he want, the quarterback that he want. And if it don't work out, you know for a fact that you do not have the right guy. See, all the, the, I understand why it wasn't so easy to fire Dennis Allen. Like when I think about it, it makes perfect sense because Dennis Allen was just a puzzle piece, right? You know what I'm saying? Like he was just a puzzle piece. We're going to fit him in this, but we're not going to change anything around him. So he didn't really have any saying about all the coaches that were there. They just felt like, oh, all we need to do is just put him here because we don't want to break up this chemistry that we built with on Peyton. And that that's the reason why I feel like People like, man, this dude need to be fired because I made the example. It's like a person that you work with every single day for six to seven years 
then all of a sudden that person gets promoted and he becomes your boss. Like, even though you might respect the position, even though you might respect the person, still, that person has elevated themselves and it's hard for a person that you've seen for six to seven years, it's hard for you to see that person other than what you actually saw them as, as a person that was a, a, a co-worker or, you know what I'm saying, a person that was just on the same level for all those years. So I understand why they did what they did. Even though they were losing, even though they looked different, it still was Sean Payton guys that Dennis Allen was trying to work with. So all I'm saying is give this dude all of the leeway he can. Let him select the coaches that he wants. Let him select the personnel that he wants. Let him, let him select everything that he wants because if it does not work out, you know for a fact that he is not the guy. See, it's too much of you know, hiding, it's too much of hiding things for me, right? I'm hiding behind the injuries. I'm hiding behind the coaching staff. Oh, these are not really my guys. It's a bunch of excuses. So what happens when you eliminate the excuse? It becomes very, very obvious, right? It's like a, it's like a guy who is probably the fifth best player on the team, but the rest of the guys that are around him, right? You're playing basketball. You got four guys that can, you know, that can play the game. And then you got that one guy that's lacking. And all of a sudden, nobody really pays that much attention to it, right? Or they probably pay attention, but eh, you know what I'm saying? He's still doing what he has to do. What happens when you eliminate the four guys that can actually play and it leaves that guy out there by himself is it becomes obvious that this guy ain't it. So I say give him the opportunity to get everybody he wants. That way, if you do decide to fire him, it can become obvious. And not just the fact that, oh, you're just losing games. Because once again, he was losing games. And I still feel like regardless to who your personnel is, I still feel this way. No matter who your personnel is, you're going to fail because you're not a good coach. But if you give this guy the opportunity to select his own guys and it don't work out, there's no more excuses. There's that, like even the biggest Dennis Allen supporter would have to concede that this dude ain't it. All right, so that's the way I'm looking at it. So when it comes to the quarterback position, I feel like he's probably going to get a seasoned veteran because his job depends on the way that he performs as a coach this season. So he doesn't really have time to help, you know, to rely on a rookie quarterback to get it right in order for him to keep his job. So I see him going out here getting a veteran because he is too, like, he is too afraid. He is too afraid to take a risk, not only on the field, but also when it comes to personnel decisions as well. Also, when it comes to like, you know, playoff decisions as well, it is it is tough for him to make a decision. And, you know, what I'm saying when he does make a decision, he tries to go with the more sure thing. Right. He He's not a risk taker. He isn't going to take a risk. That's pro- that's one of the issues that we also have with him. Not only does it not does it not translate? I mean, does it translate to the field? It translates to the front office as well. That's my that's the biggest issue when it comes to Dennis Allen. But I, I feel like they're gonna end up getting themselves a veteran, and um, it's probably gonna try to be one of these guys here. And unfortunately, the Saints gonna be without a, a, a rookie quarterback or a quarterback for the future again. And I, honestly, I don't like it because we're going that we'll find ourselves looking like the Broncos, right? Trying to get that one quarterback 
trying to muster up that that little bit of ability they have left to get us over the hump. I'm not trying to be in that business. Look, I would rather the Saints kind of be middle of the pack, playoffs, first round knockout, maybe. You know, I I rather them be like this and try to get it right versus them trying to continuously try to plug up a pretty obvious big hole in the boat and the boat is slowly starting to sink. And, you know, eventually, like, you know, the water is going to hit the adhesive of that tape and it's just going to make that tape just kind of fall off and the water still going to get into the boat, right? I'd rather you fix the problem now, right? I'd rather you head to the shore, you know, find yourself a, a weld, you know, a welder, get the boat fixed so we can have smooth sailing from this day forward. And, you know, it might be a little bumpy ride on the way to the shore, you know, like, but at the end of the day, we getting the problem fixed. I think the biggest I think the the biggest issue that teams have is them not admitting to themselves where they are. One thing I can appreciate about this past season is now we have an understanding about who we are as a team. Like what this team actually is. I feel like there was a false sense of reality on a lot of our uh, you know uh, on a lot of us, right? It was a false sense of reality like we thought that this team was better even though in ways they are better than what they actually showed. But we it, it showed us that there's a lot of issues that we need to deal with, and maybe we aren't as good as we thought we were. But um, it's not the end of the world. I think the best thing for you to do is for you to acknowledge where you are. And once you acknowledge where you are and where you stand, then you can fix it. Um, the more that you, you live in denial, the longer it's going to take for you to fix the issue. You know, and sometimes those situations can get worse because you don't want to admit it to yourself. Uh, let me read some of your comments here. Uh, my dog says Dennis Allen would definitely pursue Lamar. The problem is uh, Mickey cheat, but won't uh, let it happen. Well, my dog, I can tell you this. Um, my I don't have an issue with Lamar Jackson, but I do have an issue with. I do have an issue with. How it would work in New Orleans. Um. First off, if you were to get a guy like Lamar Jackson, like this offensive group that you have as far as the coordinators and all that kind of stuff, they got to go. Not not to say that, you know, a guy like Ronald Curry, who I got a lot of respect for, shouts out to the brother, um, you know, Cody Burns, wide receiver coach. Like, I, I got respect for these guys, right? I, I really do. But there's a certain skill set that, that Lamar Jackson possesses. And – you have to you have to adjust to that, right? Um, Greg Roman, who has been his offensive coordinator, has worked with him throughout his entire career. So you're going to have to find somebody that it is you know resembles that of a Greg Roman. You got to find somebody like that. Also, um, that would probably be the only issue. I don't have it. I don't have a problem. Like what people don't understand is. And I was thinking about this, man. It's crazy. I was pumping gas last night, and um, I was listening. Um, I was listening to the uh, uh, conversation about Lamar Jackson, you know, on the radio, and um, it hit me. I'm like, Lamar Jackson's skill set would be perfect in New Orleans, because when you when you think about it, <laughs> the the issue that we have with the New Orleans Saints is simple. Not too many down the field plays, right? It's a lot of short, intermediate passes. And, you know, like there, there's very few down the field plays. That would be perfect for a guy like Lamar Jackson. 
the ability, Chris Olave's ability to run routes, Chris routes, uh, Rashid Shahid's ability to run Chris routes. Heck, I mean, this would probably be tailor-made for a guy like M Michael Thomas. If, like, honestly, if Michael Thomas don't work out in New Orleans, they, they don't, and it looks like it's not, if Lamar Jackson ends up back in Baltimore, it wouldn't surprise me if Michael Thomas goes to Baltimore. Because Michael Thomas' skill set and his ability to get open, right, when, you know, people jamming him at the line of scrimmage, is perfect for a guy like Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, like, so the Saints, what they have on the roster is perfect. The only question and the only problem that I have is you will probably need another, not probably, you're going to need another coordinator in order for you to be able to make this skill set work. But they got the personnel. Uh, another team is in the same division as us, the Falcons. The Falcons, the way that they play offense, that would be a perfect spot for them. Uh, it, it's just a few teams that are out that just are tailor-made for a guy like Lamar Jackson. And the New Orleans Saints are one of them. Like, Chris Olave did a lot of damage, you know, like running, you know, quick slants and, you know what I'm saying, a lot of dig routes and stuff like that, trying to find the soft spots and coverage. The Saints ain't even really tapped into him being a downfield deep threat, which he is, and what he was at Ohio State. Like, him coming to New Orleans, he kind of changed up what highest bread was buttered. But we know that he has that capability to be able to run some of those routes, you know, like those short intermediate routes. And, you know, and also it, it, their ability, especially Rashid Shaheed, do way beyond his years. Like when a play breaks down, when most of the time when it does with Lamar Jackson, this guy has an ability to get open. So anybody that just feel like uh, – I feel like the biggest issue – when it comes to the Saints, like my dog mentioned, it's the money. It's the money. Like, I I feel like it would work because they got the right. They got they Alvin Kamara is the the right type of uh, running back. Um, Jawan Johnson is the, the the right type of tight end. Um, like I said, Chris Olave, even though you know they drafted him because he want they want him to be a more of a vertical threat, he doesn't have to be that guy. And if you can find yourself somebody like, you know, like Michael Thomas's skill set and abilities, even though that's hard to find because, I mean, Michael Thomas is a special player. But if you can find somebody of that build, a, a guy that can be that big and be physical like that, I think that you will have yourself a, a, a successful football team. So, I, I mean, I think the Saints would be a perfect spot for them based on the, the players that they have right now. I feel like you plug him in and get the right coordinator you can make some noise in New Orleans. But like you said, it's all about the money. And we know that and, uh, Mickey Loomis mentioned that he wanted to kind of, you know, try to get the cap back into the middle. So if you're trying to get the cap back into the middle, signing a guy like Lamar Jackson is not on the menu. The personnel and staff was Sean Payton and he quit on the team. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is what it is. Anybody that don't want to admit that right now, they just don't want to admit it. Uh, the dude did not want to be the head coach of New Orleans anymore. Uh, he wanted to go to Miami. It didn't work out. He went to television. I mean, now he want to come back. Like So it is what it is, man. The, the, the thing that we need to do right now is try to find what's best for the organization going forward. And if he wants to come back, he doesn't want to be a, the New Orleans Saints head coach anymore. So try to get as much as you can for him. Sean Payton would be a perfect fit for Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. I'm sick of Harbaugh and Greg Roman. 
Well, you may be sick of Greg Roman, but Greg Roman is the best fit for him. Unless, you know, he goes to, like, I, I, unless he goes to Miami or something like that. Miami will be a good spot for him, too, because Mike McDaniel is a really good play caller. So I, I would say that. But whoever he goes to, it, it has to, they have to have the right offensive minded coach or coordinator. Uh, and if the Saints can find somebody like that, then, you know, I think that he'll be, he'll be good because they have the right pieces right now. The organization would need to open a line of credit and the cap turned off to sign Lamar Jackson. Well, Derek, look, I don't think that it's outside the realm of possibility. We all know if a, if a team wants a guy, they'll move heaven and earth to do it, right? We've seen the Saints on several occasions, you know, go through many scenarios to try to bring in a guy or guys that they want, you know, and, it, and sometimes it just didn't work out. Like we know about the whole uh, clowny thing, how the Saints tried to <laughs> – tried to uh do the like the nba style uh trade and it and nba in the nfl you know they was like nah i don't think so and you know bro they i feel like this if it was the patriots or you know even tampa bay if they did something like that i guarantee you they'd probably let it slide but because of the saints the saints literally found the loophole you know in in the whole trading process and it wasn't the fact that it wasn't legal it was just the fact that the NFL just didn't want to open up a can of worms for this type of thing to happen in the future. But the only thing they needed to do at the end of the day was just allow that to happen. And then when you go to the league meeting, just change it. But of course, it's the same. So y'all can't do that. Right. But if Bill Belichick, uh, a coach can get fired uh, by the end of the uh, end of the season on Black Monday. And then all of a sudden he can be a part of his coaching staff in the playoffs. Y'all remember when Josh McDaniel? You know, he got fired, and then all of a sudden, like, he, in the next week, he's working with the New England Patriots as a, as a, as a consultant. Like, but they can do stuff like that. Like I said, you, you find these loopholes, but the NFL, they so prideful. They're like, man, y'all ain't going to get the best of us. So they, they, re, they just said, nah, you can't do that. Even though there wasn't a rule against that, they found the loophole. But that's the way it goes. Uh, I felt the same way TJ Lamar needs a big receiver like Mike T., that gets open and catches everything, Mike T will ball out for the Ravens. Yep, he's a perfect fit. He's a perfect fit for a guy like Lamar Jackson. Lamar turned down $250 million and more, so the Saints may not be able to afford him. Yeah, he, he turned down $250 million, um, but it wasn't guaranteed. And we all know that, you know, when guys see one particular player in at their position make a certain amount of money, they want it too, especially – and. And he is is well within his rights. It's well within his rights, man. This guy is a NFL MVP. Even though you can say what you want about Deshaun Watson, you know, like the dude is good enough to have a contract like that. He was, right? He 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 was good enough to have a contract like that. And I'm pretty sure Lamar is looking at him like, yeah, he's good, but he ain't win these as many playoff games. He ain't have these many regular season wins as me. He wasn't a league MVP like me. So it's well within his rights to do that, you know, and it's not, it's not anybody's fault. It's, if you want to blame somebody, blame the Browns because the Browns, their, their willingness to move heaven and earth to try to get Deshaun Watson, not opens up a can of worms. That's why you see a lot of guys when they go to like contract negotiations, like they'll probably wait for another guy that's probably just as good as them at their position to get paid first, just to see where the market is. You know, they call that setting the market, right? So, They'll wait for that person to get paid and then be like, oh, this person got paid it. But 
you know i had seven interceptions this person had three interceptions okay you know i had these many tackles like i should be getting paid more than he is so it's you know that's just the way that it goes it's not anybody's fault like i said if you want to and if you want to blame somebody just blame the browns because they're the ones that set the market and that's the reason why lamar can go out here and say i deserve this because if you're going to give deshaun watson this who, who never been mvp who's been to the playoffs but hasn't won as many games as as lamar jackson i think he feel like he deserved it too uh that's why i can see us signing Derek carr da uh did draft him and he would be uh that move that if it didn't work out uh we could move on from da yeah but the thing about it is you can move on from da but who are you left with you know like you left with Derek carr and and also like the the question can it work out in new orleans right so that that's that's my that's my thing right um i feel like he's going to do it because once again his job is on the line he's on a high seat right if you don't perform you're going to get fired and i just don't see him putting his coaching future in the hands of a, a rookie a young inexperienced quarterback that he's not sure about can play at a high level you know like like all these guys are good right we talk about cj Stroud, we talk about will levis uh we talk about you know all these different quarterbacks that are coming out right but these guys perform well on a on a college level but we don't know what these guys are going to be on a professional level you know so it's a gamble versus a guy that you can you've seen in every type of situation playoff situation regular season situation you know uh nip tuck game situation you know so i think that if you haven't learned anything from Dennis Allen, he he's more of a guy that wants to go with a short thing. He he takes very little risk. And if he feels like, you know, he feels like a, a veteran quarterback could give him a better chance, that's what he's going to do. If the Saints damn near want to guarantee multiple NFC champions, make a way for Lamar. Well, I, I, you got to do what's best for your team. You got to do what's best for your team, but at the same time, you know, what is what are you willing to do? You know, what what do you see your team at? You know, what are you willing to to stomach? You know, like that that's that's the question. And it goes to show you Sean Payton didn't believe in Winston either. Well, I just think he just wanted out. I, I think that Sean Payton cares more about his reputation than anything. You know, as I mean, that's why I say this all the time. That's why I got respect for guys like Belichick. That's why I got respect for guys like Mike Tom, because these guys didn't look and say, oh, well, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is gone. If you Mike Tomlin, like, I'm out. Oh, Tom Brady gone, so I'm out. Like, they, they're willing to try to rebuild what they actually build on uh, with another guy. Like, Sean Payton, he was just ready to exit stage left on his first line of trouble. Like, I, I don't know. You know, like, I feel like that type of decision was more so about your reputation and maybe, you know, like you maybe, I don't know if you second guess yourself, but um, look, I just think that it was just a cop out. Like you had an opportunity to, you know, resurrect your career and also leave very little doubt that, you know, you are who you are because, you know, well, you're not who you are because Drew Brees was your quarterback. But like I said, the first line of trouble he saw, he was out. So we'll see, man. We'll see. I just think that I just think that 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 speaks volumes. 
that speaks volumes about a person, you know, like I just think that he cared once again, more about his reputation as a coach and all of the, the, <laughs> all of the, the capital that he built up. Right. And I think that he wasn't trying to, uh, you know, put that in the hands of a Jameis Winston. He wasn't trying to put that in the hands of a Taysom Hill, you know, uh, I, I'm not buying that whole, whoa, you know, he, he won't stay in the same place. Like, yeah, you're in the same place, but it's a completely different team. Like, this, these aren't the same players that you had when you first got to New Orleans. Like, you ain't got Scott Shanley and, and, and Fajita out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't got <laughs> you ain't got no Tracy Porter out there, Jabari Greer. Like, you don't have these guys out here. You know, it's a whole different group, young guys, right? So the, the locker room changes quite a bit. So it's not like you're coaching the same guys. So it's not like the message is going to be like, oh, man, I heard this before. A lot of some guys like a cam jordan probably heard it but man cam jordan is like a, a outlier you know like a guy who can have this this level of success for so long most time most of the time you see change over in the locker room quite often but i just don't feel like he was willing to allow himself to do that and i don't think he had the patience to do that you know uh talk about Derek carr who is going to throw the ball that's a big factor that's a big factor on guys coming yeah and, and that's another thing, too. You know, you, you got to be able to make a splash un, unless you're about to make a splash in the draft. Because here's the reality. Like, these guys want to go to teams that they know for a fact can give them the best chance to win. Now, you got some guys who are probably on the last leg of their career and maybe, you know, the contract negotiations, they're like, oh, okay, I'm going to test the free agent market. And, and then reality slaps them in the face and they realize they're not as good as they thought. Um, and they might sign with you. But if you're talking about getting a guy that's a game changer, a guy that's going to be a game breaker, you know, somebody that's going to be, a, you know, a future cornerstone, like, like you know, like what happened with the Mario Davis, right? I mean, but what was the, what was a good, <laughs> what was a good sales pitch? Like Drew Brees is your quarterback, right? Or Emmanuel Sanders, like he was pretty good. Like it just didn't, you know, Drew Brees was hurt most of the season. But Emmanuel Sanders, like, that's the reason why he came here. You had a lot of guys that were willing to talk to the Saints and be able to work out deals because Drew Brees was their quarterback. They knew for a fact that, man, we was going to make it to the playoffs, and if we do that, then, you know, who knows what can happen. But what happens now? Who's your quarterback? Uh, yeah, okay, we got Andy Dalton out here. Like, come on, man. Like, that, that ain't about to move the needle at all. Maybe you'll get yourself somebody that's, you know, middle of the pack or something like that, but – Based on how this team is structured right now, you're going to have to build through the draft because not too many people are going to find this, this, this situation appealing at all, right? So you got to do something that's going to get people interested and maybe be willing to come and play. Like you had a lot of guys like, you know, say what you want about Tampa Bay, but you had a lot of guys who stayed with that team and took less money than they probably would have got on the open market because they knew for a fact that they can actually continue to win because Tom Brady was their quarterback. So, you know, like, man, that kind of stuff matters. If you don't have the right guy, you know, you're really going to be setting yourself back unless you're just going to be, you know, that you're going to just hit them out the park and, and replicate 2017 when it comes to the draft. Uh, Sean uh, didn't want uh, want to take accountability for the terrible situation he left us in. Well, look, I, that's what I don't understand, though. That's what I don't understand. Like. I really don't understand how anybody can get this, like can let Sean Payton off the hook. 
like, yeah, Sean Payton is a, a really good coach. You know what I'm saying? Borderline great coach. Um, greatest coach that the New Orleans Saints have ever had. But what a lot of people aren't paying attention to, number one, the coach that the Saints have right now with a 7-10 and 10 record was recommended by Sean Payton. That's number one. Number two, Sean Payton had the majority of the say-so when it came to players they selected in the draft, guys that they bring in during free agency. So I'm just wondering to myself, how is it that nobody asks the question, why are the Saints in this position right now? And why is it that Sean Payton isn't, you know, taking any of the responsibility for this? Because we've heard on countless occasions from every media or guy or person that covers this team that Sean Payton is the, the last voice that you hear when it comes to decision-making, including from the towels that are on the seat in the Superdome, you know, that you, you know, during a game. So how is it that nobody seems to bring that up? How is it that nobody seems to bring up the fact that Sean Payton was the head coach and he was the decision-maker in New Orleans, so a lot of the situations that the Saints have found themselves in over the last couple of years has been on him. You knew that Drew Brees was, you know, towards the tail end of his career. Like, you you should have knew that when you had to call a deep pass past 20 yards and you had to bring Taysom Hill out there throwing punts. Like, you should have knew right then that their arm strength and some of the ability was being diminished. Though that should have been that should have uh, created a cause to pause for you to fix it. But nobody's saying anything about that. We're talking about how great he is, which he is. People talking about how special he is as a play caller, which he is. But we cannot just sit up here and just pretend like this dude ain't responsible for the state that he left the Saints. No pun intended. Like, he's responsible for the state of the Saints right now. <clears throat> because it was his responsibility, and he did that. But nobody's saying anything about that. Oh, the Saints are a wreck. They're a wreck, and like... The, the reason the Saints don't have a, a successor to Drew Brees, that was on him, right? The, the situations that, you know, that, that, that have occurred has a lot to do with Sean Payton, and nobody's really saying anything about that, which I just find very, very weird. But that's just the way it goes sometimes, I guess. Uh, maybe, uh, but Baltimore isn't going to do that for him. They invested their money in defense and O-line. Well, we'll see. Unless we overpay for free agents, we won't be an ideal landing spot without a respectable quarterback. Won't be. And if he was an elite passer, they would have given him what he wanted, but he's not. Well, look, I'm not in I'm not in the business of that. I'm not in the business of, of, of that because I don't want to fall into that. Like that's how contract negotiations go, folks. And we got to be very, very careful. When we when we put in these these stigmas and these these labels on these guys, because it's all about contract leverage. Right. My my thing is, if he didn't have the arm strength, he didn't have the quarterback ability. My question is, why the hell was he your starting quarterback over the last three seasons? Why was he why was his quarterback play good enough when he was playing with pretty much empty pockets? And now when it's time to get paid, we got to hear about all his imperfections. Oh, you know, he runs the ball. He gets out the pocket a lot. Is this sustainable? Well, you weren't thinking about that when it was time for you to win some football games and make it to the playoffs. That's all I'm saying, man. What organizations do is they will take a guy and take all his ability for the low, low price of $399. Then all of a sudden when inflation happens, all of a sudden, man, I got a problem with that. But you wanted all this, like you wanted him to do 
all these different things. You wanted him to move heaven and earth for your viewing pleasure, for your entertainment, and for your fans' entertainment pleasure. Now it's all of a sudden it's time to get paid. Oh, he running off the pocket a lot. He always hurt. Like, miss me with that, man. Miss me with that. Like, that. that's, that's to me, that's whack. You know, like, and they know for a fact, look, no disrespect to any of these reporters out here, no disrespect to them, but you got a lot of booty kissing going on. And a lot of these guys will put these stories out here, what we like to call hit pieces, because they want to still be in bed with these organizations. That's the reason why, you know, a guy can write a story and talk about, how a, a man acts in the locker room, you know, or how he's acting with his teammates. That's why you always get this stuff out here. And they, they put it to the general public in order for the public to change their mind and their perspective about a player, right? The player's all good. He happy. You know, he, he's a, such a good guy. They taking pictures of him in a community, kissing babies and holding toys up and stuff like that with the young kids. And then all of a sudden when it's time to, to get paid, then all of a sudden, like, this person is a problem. Oh, you know, according to sources, this player got into it with two players in the locker room. How's that happen? How's that happen? How is it that this guy's a, you know, a upstanding citizen when he playing on a rookie deal, uh, very little money, and then all of a sudden when it's time to get paid, we just look at him like he's just the worst thing in the world. Like, I just don't understand it. You know, all, all I'm saying is, the way that the Baltimore Ravens has set this dude up, they set their whole entire offense up for this dude to succeed. And, you know, what we need to understand is when we're talking about systems, every quarterback is a system quarterback if you think about it. Like, here's the thing. Aaron Rodgers is a system quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is a system quarterback. Lamar Jackson is a system quarterback. When you draft a guy or you select a guy, one thing is for sure. What you do is, what you do is you look at this guy's skill set and you say to yourself, as well as with your, your coaching staff, can we win games with this guy? And when you select him, you build a team around him that caters to his strength. Look at, look at Jalen Hurts. I mean, the way he played last year and the way that he played this year is like night and day. What's the difference? Well, they, they came up with an offense that caters to his strengths. So for anybody that's out here, you know, that say stuff like, well, Lamar Jackson, he limited. Well, he may be limited, but you bring a coaching staff in that can amplify his perfections and minimize his imperfections. That's, that's, that's how every quarterback plays. That's, how, that's what all quarterbacks do. Like, I don't care how great they are. See, some, sometimes we get mesmerized by the talent. We get mesmerized by the arm strength. We get mesmerized by the by the passing and all that kind of stuff but what we're not paying attention to is the schemes that that these coaches come up with in order for these guys to succeed so at the end of the day you know like that that's just the way it works so you know when a guy i don't know man that's just all quarterbacks to me are system quarterbacks airline one of them it's just a matter of like, is the system working for that guy? And some guys' systems work better than others. That's just that's just how it goes. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and take a, a few phone calls, and then we'll just go ahead and uh, you know, uh, go from there. I'm gonna go ahead and put the link down in the chat. Uh, I'll take a few phone calls before we get up out of here. In the meantime, I'm gonna read some of your comments. Say, LOL, you saying he's limited yet? Drug a Ravens team to the playoffs with scrubs at wide receiver. 
but he's limited. Give Lamar what Hurst has at wide receiver. I guarantee you the Ravens wouldn't been uh would have been top in the division. I agree with that. Like I said, you can talk about all you want to, but you know, like I said, every quarterback is a system quarterback, no matter who you want to look at. Like all of them are system quarterbacks. All offenses are built around the strengths of the quarterback. Baltimore Ravens paid Joe Flacco, then he fell off uh the face of the uh map. They probably don't want to take that chance again. I don't think it had anything to do with that. I think they paid these guys. I think they paid Joe Flacco for two different reasons. Number one, because he was considered a conventional quarterback, right? You know, like the guy that stands in the pocket and stuff like that. And guys, they, they're more willing to pay those guys because they feel like those guys, you know, are more about self-preservation. More so than a guy like Lamar Jackson who throws caution to the wind when he escapes the pocket. So the chances of a guy like Lamar Jackson getting hurt is is a higher probability than a guy like a Joe Flacco. So I can understand why they paid him because, you know, they felt like we can get more out of him. I don't I don't feel like that's a wrong question or a wrong statement to make about Lamar Jackson, especially since the fact that he's been injured over the last two seasons. But at the same time, I mean, Scott won you a lot of games. And I think you need to take that into consideration. Uh, we're gonna go to uh Chosen. Chosen, how you doing, man? What's going on, Tim? Man, how you doing, bro? Man, I'm doing all right, man. Uh, what you got for us? Yeah, man, I just um pretty much just want to say, man, I appreciate you for breaking that down clearly with the whole analogy as far as um when you was discussing the quarterback situation, talking about like you see why they I mean not the quarterback situation, the coaching situation with Dennis Allen about letting him pick his whole team and right. stuff like that. That's a good way to put it, bro, because I didn't even think of it like that. Like, yeah, you come in and you operate and it's it's kind of like you coming in, you got the excuse to say, Well, man, they adjusted the settings. I don't I don't know them to play just like when you're playing with somebody, right? You play mm -hmm. somebody at Madden or something like that, and you beat them. But they already had it set up. Man, you know, I don't play on Hall of Fame. I don't play on this. I don't play. So how about this? They're using the excuses. But right. how about, Dennis, you pick your staff, you do everything you need. We, basically, we're going to give you the rope to hang yourself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that I way, mean, they don't, you know, yeah, I, I don't want to say it like that. I want it to work because, like we always say, if our team succeed, we all succeed. No, so if you succeed, our team succeeds. Just like, you know, right. it's the same situation. Mm -hmm. But we dealing with somebody who always, well, what's wrong, Dennis? Oh, well, well, my guy was hurt. Well, I ain't had this person in place. Okay, well, now, how about we just, like you say, we give you all the control you need. You pick all your right. guys. You pick your personnel. You pick your staff. You pick your assistants. You got everything you need. Now, when it don't work and it comes down to evaluation, what's going to be the excuse now, Dennis? Like, what yep. could you possibly say that didn't work? And mm -hmm. it's a bittersweet moment because we want a quarterback. But if you get a, a you get a rookie quarterback and it don't work, he can always say, "Well, he's a rookie. He's not up to par." You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. he can easily use that easily use that excuse. That's just like if people if y'all still don't understand it, look think of it as if your life in real world in the real world. If yeah. somebody was to tell you, you got one shot, a layup or a three, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Only one shot can save your life. If you if you instantly die. You unless you really feel like your Steph Curry skills up there, you are gonna go for a sure thing, which is that layup. Right. I feel like Dennis Allen gonna go for that layup. He not he not risk taking. He not gonna take that three. He not gonna right. shoot that three for to save his life. He'll run and do that layup. That mm -hmm. rookie quarterback is taking that three. Yeah, it looks good. It's new and it's more value. Or you want the layup, 
It, it may not be as pretty, it's basic, it's old, fundamental, it's short, it's only two points, but we know for sure I have a better chance of making it if I go in a goal. That's how these quarterback situations is right now. And yep. I feel like it sucks for us because we're caught in we caught between two tails of it, man. Like on one hand, we want a young future quarterback, but if it don't pan out, we keep a coach, we get a chance to keep a coach that we don't really want. Right. You know what I'm saying? Versus keeping a coach we don't really want and we don't get the quarterback we really want. We only got a quarterback to save his job, which we don't want his job to be saved in the first place. Yeah. So it's like, so TJ, bro, like, how do you, how do we, my question to you really is, how do we, how do you think we should go about it, like, overall? And I know that's the point of the show, but do you think the Saints not doing anything with that because of we don't have in place with Sean, and we don't know who the OC going to be because if we start making moves with a quarterback, we lose the OC. We got to change everything around. Or if we get a rookie, he going to have to learn regardless. So do you think the Saints are waiting to see who's going to – like what they going to do with uh, Pete Carmichael and Sean Payton before we actually know for a fact of what's the move going to be for quarterback? Like you think that's the route we're taking? Yeah, absolutely. Um, here's the Here's the thing, Chosen. The three guys that I mentioned, I mean, all these guys basically have options to be if you want to be real. Um yes, you look at Derek Carr, Derek Carr has a no trade clause in his contract, which means that you can't just trade him to anybody, right? He has to be he has to be on board with it. Right. Jimmy Garoppolo, who is going to be an unrestricted free agent, he has to say so about where he's going. And I'm pretty sure, like, if the Baltimore Ravens don't put the franchise tag on Lamar. He's going to have a say-so about where he's going. The thing mm-hmm. is, when you have guys that can make those type of decisions, they're looking very, very close at organizations, who their coordinators is, who is their coach on their coaching staff. Are these guys going to be you know, the right fit for the type of skill set that they possess in order for them to maximize their potential? They See, that that's the thing right there. So it's not just about, oh, the Saints, we want Derek Carr. Well, does Derek Carr want you? We want Jimmy right, Garoppolo. Right, right. Well, does Jimmy Garoppolo want you? Want you, you yeah. Up, yeah, are you putting the, the best infrastructure in place in order for these guys to succeed? So a lot of these guys, you know, probably won't be making no decisions until or they wouldn't even take you seriously until they see that you're taking this situation seriously. Because mm-hmm. honestly, based on what you've seen from Jameis Winston, from Andy Dalton, the quarterback play and the, the, the play calling, what makes this spot offensively appealing to you as a quarterback? It doesn't. Don't it don't it don't you know what I'm saying? It, it doesn't it doesn't appeal to you at all. So maybe and let me ask you this: Do you think? Do you think? I, I understand, but do you think a quarterback could come in and give us that 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 pizzazz that pizzazz that we need in spite of Dennis? Or do you think Dennis coaching has just so much of a hold that he can make the quote-unquote sexiest quarterback play look mediocre do you think he has a hole like that or do you think a lot of it was on top of Andy Dalton already being born born Andy or did you think that's just pretty much with or you pretty much think that's how any quarterback would look in the Dennis Allen ran offense well here is is two things here all right number one Mm -hmm. um when you look at Dennis Allen like he he's he's a type of guy that's kind of passive aggressive Mm-hmm. By him being passive aggressive, he kind of leaves like guys like Pete Carmichael and his offensive staff on the island all by themselves. Right. So, to me, man, this is why I said this on other shows. They're too like minded. 
they're so like-minded chosen that you really feel like Dennis Allen is the one that's making Andy Dalton the way that he is. But in reality, they're both the same. Him and Pete Carmichael is Pete Carmichael. I got you. Super conservative. Dennis Allen, super conservative. Dennis Allen is allowing Pete Carmichael to run the offense and he puts very little input into that. So whoever he brings in, if that person has like some swag, some energy. Yes, sir. And they, then they, you know, are aggressive. You'll see the difference. Then you'll Mm -hmm. see a difference. Like, right. Don't get me wrong. Andy Dalton, to me, is a boring quarterback, but I think if you had another coordinator, he wouldn't look as boring as I'm about he say, is. Wouldn't be as like, boring. He, he wouldn't be as boring. He wouldn't be as boring as he is. Like, you he, he would probably see something a little bit different. You know, it, it's, it's different. Like, okay, I'm going to take this shot down the field. You coming back to the sideline. What's going on? Why you didn't check it down to him? You know, like, wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? That's what I should have did. So it, it's, it's a combination of both of these guys them being the same exact way. But like I said, it, they're so like-minded that you you can't tell a difference. So right. that's the reason why. Like, so if you bring somebody else in who is like the opposite, that's why, man, they, they got that old saying, opposites attract. Attract, yes, right? sir. So you have a guy that's conservative, like, like a Dennis Allen. If you get a guy that's, you know, aggressive offensively as a play caller, then you have yourself, you know what I'm saying, a, a good little mix of things. Because sometimes you need that person whenever, like, oh, man, let's go, like, punt it on fourth. Man, it's fourth and one, man. We can do this. We can do this. I doubt if P. Carmichael is doing that. I doubt it. I highly doubt. Oh, fourth and one. Oh, who, who, man, we ain't got to do it. And if we get a turnover on downs, it won't be on me. Who, right. you know, like, nah, right, man. You, you, and, and you know what? Gonna be like, man, look, man, we're fourth and one. Man, I'm fired up, man. Let's do it. Yeah, right. And you know what? My appreciate if I let you go, man. I I appreciate you for bringing it down because when I started off watching football, and I'm pretty sure everybody like this, like when you were casual, I used to be a casual. Like, I'm not going to lie because I feel like I watch it, I hear about it, but it wouldn't in the era where social media is now until I found a platform like yours and everybody who actually put things into depth it actually breaks down football. Most of us, what we do, we'll probably watch the game on Sunday, wait till Monday, we take the scores, watch some highlights. You know, mm-hmm. just, just, just regular smuggler. But I didn't realize, and me personally, I didn't realize how much coordinators and coaching staffs plays a big part because Oh, yeah. I, you still putting on a TV, and I, all I see that's how that's how they be explaining on them shows. They be saying, "All we see is a jersey number out there, and we mm-hmm. just playing." And you automatically assume, "Oh well, right. this quarterback out there, he sucks." We don't realize what a coordinator. Well, I didn't realize what a coordinator and what a coach meant so much. And I'm definitely seeing it firsthand now because I'm one of those younger Saints fans. You know, all I knew was Sean Payton. I'm definitely seeing it now that he leave from Dennis. It's a big and only the common denominator is Dennis. That's the only thing. Like, you still have the same players with the same amount of injuries, and you look what happened last year, and you look what happened this year. And you can see the stagnance, and you can see the difference with, um, I guess, the way they're playing. And you have to look no further than the coaching. If you pretty much have the same group of guys, would supposed to be a better quarterback. I would say Andy Dalton was an upgrade from Trevor Simeon and everything. Maybe not Taysom. It depends on what you want, you right. know what I'm saying, or what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. But, bro, like, I appreciate you breaking it down because I didn't realize, and it just gives everybody an idea of how coaching really plays a part in making these quarterback choices. Like you say, we can have the 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 best quarterback in free agency or in the draft, but if you don't have these people in place getting the best out of them, you're pretty much just wasting the pick. So I appreciate yeah. that, bro, for, for helping me understand because it's really it, – it, you can really get confused with – everybody want to say 
all right, get this quarterback. Let's get that quarterback. Pump right. breaks. We got to get right. this quarterback, but we still have to put them in the right position to get out of what it was that we were attracted to. Most of these quarterbacks we were attracted to because they came from a system that knew how to use them. So I right. appreciate it, TJ, bro. Right, no problem, Chosen, man. Thank, thank you for the call, man. I'll call back anytime. Yes, sir. All right, take care. Yeah, I mean, look, you can have the best quarterback in the world. I mean, if you don't have the right system, it's, it's just not going to work. Um, man, I just – I mean, I know some people – I was looking at the chat. I know some people may disagree with that, but I really honestly feel that all quarterbacks are system quarterbacks. Like, you don't – they not just – like, what, what you need to understand before I get to Josh, they're not just drafting these guys randomly. Like, there are guys that – all the team pays them to do is scout players. Look at countless hours of footage. And those guys' jobs are to find quarterbacks that fit the system in which they play. Now, if your team is bad, right, and there's some things that need to change, you can find yourself a quarterback like a Mahomes that you build a system around. But at the end of the day, you're still building a system that is tailor-made for them. You don't feel like a, a quarterback is a system quarterback? Then tell you this. Do you think that the Kansas City Chiefs would be successful with an offense that is catered for Lamar Jackson? Even though Patrick Mahomes can get out the pocket and move around and stuff like that, you'll be doing this dude a disservice because he has incredible arm talent where he can make plays from the pocket more, more times than he can do it on the run. That, that's all I'm saying. Like, Every like, it, like you got your job for God's sakes. You think you just got your job because okay, man, I just got like some of y'all probably just got your job because you know somebody. But for the most part, you get the job because your your qualifications fit that job. Like you can't just walk up to a, you know go to a law office and be like, well, you know, like I, I majored in communications and mass communication. Whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. So when did you take the bar exam? Bar? Oh, I got to take the bar to be a lawyer. No, like, come on, man. Like, you, you it got to fit. It got to fit. So, I mean, that, that's just the way that it goes. Like, like quarterbacks can play so well that you make it make it seem like it ain't a system. <laughs> but the, the system that is created is built and tailor-made for that said quarterback. But let's go ahead and go to Josh. Josh, how you doing, man? Hey, what's up, TJ? How's it going, brother? I'm doing all right, man. Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. I checked out the channel the other day. Uh, appreciate you. I, I really enjoyed that breakdown, man, of uh, that you did uh, on the State of the Saints podcast. I want to say you were talking about, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Michael Thomas's contract. So, uh, oh. and also, and make sure that y'all check out Josh's uh, channel. Uh, plug it real quick before uh, before we get started, man. Okay, so I, it's called the Landlord Harassment Channel, and the reason for that is because I'm going through some stuff with my landlord, and I'm documenting it. <laughs> But um, I also talk about like my health journey, how I've lost 130 pounds in the last year mm -hmm. and a half and how I've done that and so on and so forth. And I talk about like motivation stuff, like, like um, getting, doing stuff, you, doing stuff you got to do to reach your goals. I talk a lot about that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And of course, once a week or so, I do a, what I call a state of the saints reaction where I react to a video TJ does, whether I agree with him or whether I don't agree with him, I just do a reaction to it. And um, that's kind of uh, something I decided to do, A, to get viewers, I'm not going to lie, but B, because, I, you know, I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. um, but I am not primarily a football channel, so I don't want to give people the wrong impression. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, but yeah, I mean, but still, man, you're doing good work. And um, anybody that's out there like expressing themselves and, and being as open as you are, man, I, I got to give, give, give you respect for that. So, you know what I'm saying? I want to make sure that, you know, that, that people know that, you know, there's some outlets out there where people can actually, you know, find places where they can actually cope. Because, I mean, even though, you know, I mean, people enjoy talking about sports and all that kind of stuff but we're all humans and we all go through situations so um your channel definitely can serve as an outlet so i appreciate that josh i just wanted to make sure you plug that well i appreciate that too i didn't come in here expecting a plug today so i'm very (laughs) very honored yeah, no problem, man. You, 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 you shocked me with that one, man. It's like a late Christmas present or something or something like that, man. man. Um, but uh, what was I talking about with Michael Thomas anyway? I forgot what I even said. Well, you were basically just talking about his contract. And um, I think I mean, it was just, uh, you know, um, the what's the best decision, you know what I'm saying, for them. Like, and I mean, oh, yeah. Not, yeah, so, I mean, it, it was, I mean, it, I enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? I just, because, you know, I was just kind of, strolling through like the you know the channels and stuff like that and i checked it out i was on my way to the gym and i was listening to it as i as i drove there and um and then also i checked out a little bit more of your content so i mean it's it's necessary content man so just want to make sure that you, everybody knows about it but uh, what, what do you what do you have about uh, what do you uh have as far as the saints uh, is concerned okay so before i get to the quarterback situation i just want to mm-hmm. um Talk about something nice I've been saying in the chat that I now take back, um, which is with regard to getting an offensive coordinator. Obviously, we have to get rid of Pete Carmichael. Um, Whether you like Dennis Allen or not, Pete Carmichael is about 80% of the problem. And I've been saying that I want to bring Josh McDaniels here because Josh McDaniels is going to be fired if he hasn't been already. Has he been fired already? No. I don't think they're going to fire him. Not this year, at least. Okay, I thought they were going to fire him, and I felt like we we could get him for cheap because of his bad coaching year, right? Bring him in as an OC. But now I don't want to do that But because but, – but the reason I don't want to do that is for selfish reasons. Because Josh McDaniels will bring you a successful offense, but he will also bring you an extremely boring offense. Hmm. And I don't really want to deal with – I mean, if we have to take him over somebody else, fine, but I don't really want to deal with – you know, the constant check down and nothing but check down type of offense that he's going to bring. Right. And when you look at Tom Brady's career, they call him check, check down Brady for a reason, but he's not checked on Brady. Mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels is checked on McDaniels. Brady was just doing what Josh McDaniel told him to do. Yeah. Um, so I take that back saints nation who that nation. <laughs> I mean, well, unless it's a choice between Josh McDaniels and like a really bad offensive coordinator, then, then we'll, well, then we'll take Josh. But other yeah. than that, I think we should look elsewhere. Yeah. Um, oh, were you going to say something back to that? Or? Oh, no, no, I was just going to say, as far as with the Josh McDaniel uh, statement that you made, look, I just, just not a fan of him in, in particular. You know, I, I just think that I, I like his, uh, I like his ability to be able to coach quarterbacks, but I will say this, the more I watch Josh McDaniels coach, the more I feel like he's just a product of the, the quarterback success. Like how, like you had Tom Brady for the majority of your career, you know, like anybody else that, that you you've had, like, I mean, you go out there to Denver. I mean, you had Kyle Orton. Um, you, you drafted Tim Tebow, like, yeah, Tim I, Tebow. I, wow. I, I mean, it, if, if you think about it and look, uh, look at it, it's like, he, I mean, he was a, a byproduct, you know what I'm saying? Of, of Tom Brady's success. Like, I mean, he just kind of got conjoined to him somehow, but, it, it, 
kind of the same situation with Pete Carmichael. Pete Carmichael has gotten this stigma or this, you know, as a as a great pay, a play caller because he's aligned himself with Sean Payton. But now that we see that Sean Payton is no longer around him, I mean, we're starting to see that he ain't all that. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we realize that the, you know, that it ain't all roses like we thought that it was. So I feel like Josh McDaniel falls into that same category. I I, I would rather Josh, and I'll let you uh speak after this one. I would rather get a guy that I have seen. This, this is this is when people ask me all the time, like, what do I look for when I look for a coach? I look for a guy who can make a mediocre guy look, you know what I'm saying, look average and make an average guy look good and make a good guy look elite. Look at Carson Wentz. Outside of anybody else but Frank Wright, he's mediocre. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at Nick Foles. Outside of everybody, other coordinators he's had, mediocre. Like, even Phillip Rivers. Like, like his last year with the Chargers, everybody just thought, man, this dude fell off the face of the earth. He was playing really well in his last year versus with the coach. They even got to the playoffs. That is what I had. That's what I feel when it comes to, like, coordinators and coaches. Can you get the best? Like, a guy just don't have to be great. Like, can you get the best out of a guy, no matter what tier he is as a quarterback? Yeah. And that's why I'm so high on Frank Wright. Yeah, and you know, and you can get to Super Bowls with slightly above average quarterbacks. Hey, is my my heater just kicked on? Is it is it messing with the sound? No, nah, I don't hear anything. No, nah, you're fine. Okay, if you hear anything, I'll go shut it off. No, nah, you're um, okay, man. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, you said Tim Tebow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now Tim that Tebow. I think about it. I honestly believe that we are one Tim Tebow away from winning the Super Bowl, man. We should give him a contract. Nah, what do you think nah, about that? No, nah, I don't think so, man. No, nah, that ain't it. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. That that is not it. You having trouble finding Hell no. To the no, no, no. Hell to the no. Yeah, and when you got so many sound bites on here, it take a while for it to find it. I think I should bring this up to the top while I'm thinking about it because it's like the most. <laughs> well, you were well, using no, that crap horn for a while. Yeah. Yeah, but, so, okay, so I brought it to the top. But, yeah, man, nah, nah, nah no, no Tim Tebow. No Tim Tebow. Quarterbacks, that's what this subject is about, right? Yeah. Okay, so I just came in like 10 minutes before um you, you, you answered my call, so I've missed most of the conversation. Um, But here's the thing about the quarterbacks this season, man, or mm-hmm. goodness, coming up, coming off season. Uh-huh. There's a lot of decent ones out there that are available. Right. Um, They're not superstars, but they're good. Mm-hmm. We can snatch Brock Purdy if we want to. Mm-hmm. We can snatch Jimmy G if we want to. Right. Honestly, we could really snatch Russell Wilson if they, if we want to because at Denver might just be like, man, you you're so bad. We just get, want to get out of this contract any way we can. Right. Um, we can snatch um, Aaron Rodgers, and I mean Aaron Rodgers. I know what people have to say, but he'll be good for a year or two, right? Mm-hmm. He's still got a year of elite play left if we put some pieces around him. So there's just there's a bunch of and there's a couple quarterbacks I'm not thinking of right now, but. There are so many good quarterbacks, like at least serviceably good quarterbacks out there right mm-hmm. now that and on oh, Jimmy G. Um right. that it would be almost and they're all gonna come for relatively cheap, that it would be almost impossible for us not to land one. Right. Um, you know, my heart is with Jimmy G because he's got that warrior spirit, man. Mm-hmm. And uh he's got he is a fighter to the end. Not that the other quarterbacks are aren't, but with Jimmy, you can see it. Right. And so he would fit into Saints culture just perfectly, despite mm-hmm. the fact that he's no Drew Brees. Right. 
And I mean, if you look at his past couple of seasons, he's been a very accurate quarterback. Right. I mean, he, he's been passing at 67, 68%. Not many quarterbacks do that. Mm-hmm. Um, irregardless of whether or not they're running behind a good running game. Right. Um, so Jimmy G would be my favorite. But I told you when we were drafting quarterbacks or when the draft was going on that we should snatch Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I, I'm from Iowa State, so I saw him play. Right. Uh, and I was telling you, Ben, people, he's better than people think. Yeah. I um, mean, look, he's proven me right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so I would go for Jimmy G or Brock Purdy because I'm pretty sure the uh, Niners are going to um, stick with Trey Lance. They've just got a lot invested in him. And so mm-hmm. I, th- I think they're going to bring him back as a starter. Yeah. So I would go with Jimmy G or or um, or uh, Brock Purdy. And uh, that's where I would go with it. And I think as long as we get a decent OC, either one of those, preferably Jimmy G, but Brock would be good too. Um, mm-hmm. We will be doing well. Um, but the one thing we need besides that, man, and I've, I've been saying this, I've been beating this drum for a long time, TJ. We need a power back. We need a 240, 250-pound back to complement AK. We need the guy that can go up the middle on every play and not not get hurt from it, right? Mm-hmm. Get us two, three, sometimes four yards of play. And that, that'll open up the running game for Camara style of running, that one-two punch. All right. Without that, we're, we're going to have a crappy running game again. So mm-hmm. my thing is bring Jimmy G in, or at least Brock Purdy, get a 250. I don't know if A.J. Dillon's available, but if he is, we should snatch him up. But mm-hmm. if not, we can get somebody that does his same stuff that is serviceable. Right. And, um, that's where I stand with that, man. So I, I don't know. What's your reaction to that? Well, um, I don't think that they, uh, they're going to get rid of Brock Purdy. Um, he's played so, He played too well. And, you know <laughs> – Man, I'm just, I'm just sitting here thinking: Has has Kyle Shanahan like ever had a quarterback or ever like coached a quarterback that wasn't serviceable or good? Like I'm I'm just sitting here thinking: Like from his time with the Jets, like he had Chad Pennington winning comeback player of the year. Uh, you go to Washington, he had RG three rookie of the year. He got Kirk Cousins paid out there in Minnesota. Uh, he got uh, Matt Ryan MVP. Like I mean. When you when you look at the guy that that's coaching him, I think that you have to give this guy a lot of credit. Like it's very like I've never heard or seen Kyle Shanahan like coach a quarterback that was trans throughout the season. Like I've just never I just never seen it. So I'm just wondering, like not no no knock on Brock Purdy. Like you got to have some level of skill and ability to put forth an effort that he put forth in that wild card round and what he has done throughout the season. But I'm wondering to myself also. How much is that of Kyle Shanahan's system is he benefiting from? Because Tons of that. no look, question look, about it. Because Josh, look at that game. Like it wasn't the fact that he was out there just making these throws and, and threading the needle. A lot right. of the passes that he threw, it was like five yard passes, and and Chris McCaffrey taking his sixty five yards, and Debo Samuel's like catching the ball ten yards and turn turning ten yards into like fifty yards. So, yeah. you, but it, it it has a lot to do with the playmakers that are around him and their ability to get that yak. And that can kind of mess with people and manipulate numbers to make a guy seem like they're better than what they actually are. I'm not saying yeah. he can't. All I'm saying is I never one I never seen Kyle Shanahan coach, uh, yeah. like coach a bad quarterback, and I just and you look at the playmakers around him, how could you fail in that? Like, I, I feel like you could probably put – I, I would have to say about 80% of the NFL quarterbacks in that position, and they'll probably look a little – they probably wouldn't look as like Brock Purdy, but it'll kind of resemble that. 
That, well, that's so, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, say it again. Yeah, I'm doing I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you go ahead. Go ahead, man. Okay, and see, that's why I want to bring this back to Jimmy G, because even, okay, let's say that um, I fully buy into that it's more Shanahan than the, the quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. Even if that's the case, Jimmy G is dedicated enough, or even if Shanahan is responsible for a lot of his success, Jimmy G is dedicated enough that when he comes here to learn the new system, he is going to be 110% in immersing himself into it. Okay. So um, Jimmy G is still going to be a great addition for us as long as um, we get a decent OC. Rock Purdy, what I'll say in defense of him as to what you just said, his passing was still very accurate. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, but you, you know, you are right as far as Shanahan doing a great job with coach. I almost forgot about Chad Pennington. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've never, like, I just never, even, even Sanchez, like even with Mark Sanchez, Mark Sanchez, like people talk about the butt fumble, but Mark Sanchez led the Jets to the AFC championship game. Now they had a bomb defense because of Rex Ryan, but still, man, you needed to throw the football. They needed to do something offensively. And Kyle Shanahan was his coordinator. So I'm like, how can you like? I, I don't know, man. I I just never seen. I, I just it, it's like a it's like an R and B or a rapper that never made a bad song. Like I, I just never seen Kyle Shanahan like just no quarterback that he's ever like been put in front of him. I just seen like you didn't see like any type of upside about him or you didn't see them like playing their best or something. Like I, I just never seen that. So I mean, I I think that it's a combination of both. You need skill. And you need will. You need, you know, I mean, you need somebody that's that's pulling the strings. But I, I, I have to give Kyle Shanahan a lot of credit because I mean, like I said, I never seen him ever like not get the best out of a quarterback. But uh, Josh, I'm uh, I have to go ahead and let you go. I'll let you uh, you know, say something you know else before you uh, go. I got a couple people I got to get to, man. All right. Well, I was actually to to let me to close this out. I was going to actually ask you a question because since uh-huh. I missed most of the show, right? Who are you wanting to come here out of all the pool of quarterbacks? Assuming we have a good offensive coordinator, like who's uh, like your guy or your top two guys or whatever. If you get the right coordinator, I, I'd rather you draft a guy because I, I think that we just need to put this thing to bed because we're we're starting to look like the Broncos. Like we're starting to look like one of those teams that just getting a plug and play quarterback. And I don't want to get down. I don't look, if you get a guy in free agency, I want this guy to be the guy five, six years down the line. I don't want to just get into this, this mode where we're trying to just get a guy and trying to get the last bit of his ability that he has left in his body. I'd rather take the good with the bad and allow a young quarterback to grow and develop with the right coordinator, and hopefully that'll be able to get you over the hump. I, I mean, I'm 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 over this, you know. Like, if you if you get a guy in free agency and it just doesn't work out, then you basically committed yourself to that guy for two to three years, right? Versus a guy who is a rookie, if he's a first round pick, which everybody kind of think that that's what they're gonna go do to Sean Payton getting traded. You got yourself a guy that's for there for at least five years, right? So if it works out, you you can get him for on a rookie deal, and you don't have to worry about, you know, man, this dude playing two or three years now. I got to pay him two hundred fifty million. That's that's a problem that that you can have four or five years down the line versus one or two years down the line. So hey, Cheesy, can I say one more thing before you let me go? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to plug something because this is something kind of important. This is not Saints related, but um. 
there's a story I want people to check out, yourself included, and the Saints mm-hmm. Nation, because um, yeah. you all love a good comeback story, right? Right. Um, there's a girl in Chicago. Her her name was Jacqueline Montanez. Um, mm-hmm. Her gang name was Loka D. Right. She went to jail 30 years ago, prison 30 years ago, but she mm-hmm. was a member of the MLD. She killed two members of the Latin Kings. Right. Um, she did 30 years and she is just, um, she just got out like six months ago and she's doing a bunch of positive stuff in her community. She's turning stuff around. So I'd really like to see people check out her interviews that she's got. She did one for DJ Vlad just recently. I mean, they're, okay. it's really powerful stuff. Okay. Um, so if you guys remember that Jacqueline Montanez, you know, and I, her story is amazing. I just wanted to throw that in there. I hope you didn't mind that. No, no, not at all, man. Not at all. Um, you say that you can check out like on Vlad TV. Is she have yeah, like she just did an interview with Vlad TV and um a couple of other spots that I can't remember, okay. but but Jacqueline Martinez, but her gang name was Loca D, so you can search that too. Okay. Um, but she was a maniac Latin disciple and she killed a couple Latin kings and you know, mm-hmm. but and um that was back in '92. But she's out now and she's completely turned things around. And I'll let her tell her own story. Okay. Well, I'm yeah. definitely going to be on the lookout for that, man. I enjoy uh, looking at uh, Vlad TV interviews. Uh, well, a few of them. Not, not <laughs> You kind of miss me with a few of them. But, yeah, definitely uh, uh, check that out. And appreciate yeah, that, man. Yeah, appreciate no problem, that. man. Yeah, Josh, you take it easy, man. You too. Thanks. All right, take care. Yeah, man. That, I mean, everybody loves a real feel-good story. Shouts out, you know, DJ Vlad. I, I like some of the interviews he do. Like when D.L. Hughley on there. And I always check it out when Boosie on there. You know, you got to get your, get your little laugh on. Uh, Philip, thank you very much for the four ninety nine, man. Appreciate that. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and stroll down a little bit. Uh, somebody says a uh, hooker needs to sell that ball to the defense and get us to the Super Bowl player of the night. I don't know what we're talking about that, but let's go ahead and go to uh, Keen Arthur. Arthur. How you doing, man? How you doing, man? What's up, man? Hey, before I get into what I wanted to say about this quarterback situation, I got a question for you, bro. I need your honest opinion, which I know I ain't gonna get nothing less. Yeah, what you got? Would it be, would it be karma if the quarterback market dry up, like in terms of these free agents on the Saints, and Dennis Allen end up having to go back to Jameis Winston? Yeah, that, I mean, honestly, that would be hilarious. Um, if if it does happen that way, uh. <laughs> But I, I doubt it, man. I doubt if they look. I, I just think that that bridge has been burned down. I think that is 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 all said and done. I think that both both parties just need to separate. Jameis Winston uh, needs to go somewhere where a team actually appreciates his ability and gives him the opportunity to be able to be a starter. And I just think that Dennis Allen just wants to go with somebody else a little bit different. So there's no need to try to make uh, two things work. But that's kind of like what happened to him last year, if you want to be honest. Like, they couldn't get Deshaun Watson, so they hit uh, Jameis Winston with the, hey, big head, you know what I'm saying, come on back. And, uh, it, it, you know, but I think that was one of the main reasons why it didn't work out. The first line of trouble that they saw, they was willing to yank him um, because, you know, they they re- wasn't really fully invested in him in the first place. I apologize, big dog. I'm, uh, I'm driving. But, um... Yeah, so here's my thing. Nick Underhill said all evidence so far is pointing to things not – them not just running it back next year. You hear me? They're not just going to run it back the same way it was. They, they're clearly not going to get rid of Dennis Allen. It is what it is. But what um offensive, what offensive coordinator – There's a speed trap ahead. I apologize for that. 
what offensive coordinators do we realistically have a shot to get that could turn this thing around if we draft a quarterback or if we bring in a bridge guy? Well, in my opinion, that would be, you know, Frank Wright. I, I, man, I'm going to continue to say this. Frank Wright is the guy that if he doesn't get a head coaching job, he should be the guy that they select. And it's, it's for several reasons. Number one, he has a proven track record of improving quarterback play. Uh, number two, if Dennis Allen don't pan out, then you got yourself an interim coach. And three, I think that he can be so well that you might find yourself falling ass backwards into prosperity and him becoming a head coach. That's how much respect I got for this dude, <laughs> what people don't understand. I got so much respect for this guy because, number one, he shouldn't have got fired in the first place. That was a, a ish show out there in Indianapolis. And this man was the fall man. And as you can act, honestly see, they got even worse when he left. And so uh, that, that's all. That's why I feel like Frank Reich would be the, the you know the obvious choice. Now there's a bunch of young guys out there that become superstars overnight. You know, uh, they they you know get into a system, they learn, they develop, kind of like a Mike McDaniel, kind of like a Sean McVay. You know, you got your guy out there, Mike Lafleur, who was uh, let go uh, by the Jets. He's a guy that a lot of people have been talking about. I don't know if you want to go Joe Brady. You know, he's out there you know, uh, with Kim Dorsey as an assistant offensive coordinator. So there, there's so many ways and so many, um, you know, angles you can go. But Frank Reich would, would be my first choice. First choice. Okay. I, I can see that. And let me ask you this, uh, TJ. I'm hearing that there's a couple of people trying to poach Chris Rashard from us. Do you think the Saints should go ahead and promote that dude to, you know, just D.C. in order to stop that? Or – do you think we're going to lose him because, I don't know, for whatever reason, do you think we're going to lose him trying to do this D.C. by committee type deal? I think that Chris Rashard uh, should be the defensive coordinator. Um, I feel – I don't feel like he probably – I don't feel like he's going to make a decision until the Saints actually make a decision. That, that's why, you know, I'm, I'm concerned, like, we heard last week from Mickey Loomis, oh, we're going to start making some changes this week or whatever, right? Th this is the week they were supposed to be looking at things and making changes. I haven't seen anything yet. I just don't want it to be in a situation where you drag your feet so long you end up losing a guy like that. I think that he'll be willing to wait if they just go in and make a decision because not only does he have an interview, but also Ryan Nielsen does. So, you might end up losing both of them, you know, in, in the process of you dragging your feet. Or they could be doing some things behind the scenes. All, all I know is uh, something needs to be done, and um, I, I don't think that they should be moving the way that they move. If Chris Richard gets an opportunity and the team is willing to invest in him and it's a good spot, I say he, he goes for it. I don't, I don't care, you know, because if the Saints really wanted him to be that D.C., they should have they went ahead and, and handled their business. So, I don't want this man to lose out on opportunity waiting for the Saints to make up their mind, even though I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. It just seems like to me, like, man, they, they ain't got no type of sense of urgency when it comes to setting up interviews or, or letting us know. You know, they, they was quick to let us know that Andy Dalton was going to be the quarterback on Sunday, but they, they dragged their feet when it comes to making decisions that could affect the the organization for the better. Like we can't, we, we can't have that information, but we can have Andy Dalton starting on Sunday. Man, you ain't never lied. Look, I don't want to see Chris Rashard go because I'm gonna be honest with you, man. Them boys play, they play inspired. At least the DBs, 
it play inspired to me when he's when he's doing the things that he do. I don't know who could come in and get that same type of reaction out of them boys. Because the last thing I want is some puppies, bro. We have been known for being some dogs on defense. And I don't want to lose that because in them tight games, when you really need a defensive stop, you're going to need some boys out there that's hungry. That's like, hey, bro, I don't care what's going on on the offensive side of the ball. They're not scoring on us. I like that. Demario is like that. Cam is like that. I don't care what nobody say. Honey Badger didn't play as bad as what people um what people think. Dude had, I think, 92 tackles this year and three picks. The dude didn't play nowhere near as bad as what, what the eye test would, quote, unquote, say. But you got Alante Taylor. Paulson had a little bit of a sophomore slump, but I still believe in that kid. And Marshawn Lattimore showed that when he came back against the Eagles, bro, I ain't missing step. I was just hurt. So expect um, lockdown Laddie all next year. So I would be – it would hurt, brother, lose Chris Rashard to me. Well, I, I think they, they definitely took a step in the right direction. No disrespect to Aaron Glenn. And I know he got some interviews lined up to be a head coach. But as – you know, as as much as he was respected by those guys, I still feel like something was missing when it came to technique. Now, I still feel like something is a little bit missing when it comes to technique because, yeah, you know what I'm saying, they're making plays, they're getting tackles, but they need to get turnovers, man. They, they need to get the ball back into the hands of the offense and give the offense more chances. It, it was more so like them getting off the field uh, and the team punting the ball back to the offense. I'd rather them, like, you know, be able to generate some turnovers. I would like to see the Saints be able to replicate what they did in 2009 when they led the league in turnovers. Or, you know, as much as I hate this team, like the Cowboys, you know what I'm saying? They lead the league in turnovers uh, when it comes to, you know, with their defense. So it, it, it's, it would be nice to see them be able to get their hands on the football and getting the ball back into the offensive hands. I don't know if who's that, you know, falls at the feet of, but I would love to see them be able to make – uh, you know, generate more turnovers. That would probably be the mo- the biggest issue and maybe allowing Tyron Matthew to play the way he's played throughout his career. And I like the fact that they actually allowed him to do that towards the end of the uh, of the season. You start to see them trying to, you know, putting them back there basically, you know, guarding the tight end, you know, maybe guarding the slot, uh, you know, the slot uh, wide receivers. So you start to see that. And I feel like that's the, that was the difference. And also what a lot of people didn't pay attention to, uh, they one of the first time Tyron Matthew played a whole entire season. Like, if you look at it, like, he was all, you know, mostly out like a concussion or dealing with an injury. He played the entire season. So it was the first time, I want to say maybe like two, maybe three years, that he played the entire season. So, I mean, he not only did he go out there and he, he played well down the stretch, but he was an Iron Man for the team. Can you imagine what would have happened if he wasn't out there? So that, that's what I would have to say. Well, I'm, I'm going to say this, TJ, and I know you got more people uh, coming behind me, so I'm gonna, I got a couple of points I want to make, and then I'm going to let you ride. Just like you said, you got system quarterbacks. Like, do the Huda Nation think that these other players at other positions are not system players? Because, like you just said, the type of system that Honey Badger has been in, he's been able to free roam. You know what I'm saying? He's been able to let me diagnose, let me pick apart what the offense possibly might be doing based on tape that I've seen over the years, and it, he's been effective in doing that. And I noticed that whenever we would run cover three or a cover one robber or anything like that, and, and Honey Badger was out there, towards the end of the season, that's when that boy started knocking heads. He started picking up a lot more tackles, and he started getting a couple of – he got a couple of interceptions. 
So it takes time for a dude to – I don't care the, if you go to another team and you've been in the league for 10 years. So you, there's still a learning curve when you go to another team's system. You know, and you try to acclimate yourself to their, their verbiage and their coverages and stuff like that. Mark my words, TJ, I think year two of Honey Badger is going to be a significantly better than year one. And my last thing I want to say to you is, what's a realistic scenario for us to get C.J. Stroud? Honestly, I, I don't see that happening without the a willingness by the Arizona Cardinals or a willingness by the by the Houston Texans, which I highly doubt. You know, like, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, what they got, like, the third pick in the draft or something like that. I don't see Sean Payton, based on their decision to get themselves a general manager, that didn't involve Sean Payton, I can feel like that can be a little bit of a turnoff. So I'm mostly like looking at the Houston Texans, you know, and I said this before, like the the Houston Texans probably will give you the best spot, right? Because even if you don't get their second pick, you can get the 12th. And um, I don't see them getting, I don't see CJ Stroud being there all the way to number 12. I just don't see that. Like You probably can get Richardson out of Florida or, you know, one of those uh, that quarterback out of Stanford or something like that at, with the 12 pick, but you're not going to get a Bryce Young. You're not going to get a CJ Stroud. And if, and I say this, and I'm going to continue to say it, uh, if Sean Payton goes to the Houston Texans, then Will Levis is going to be the first quarterback taken off the board because that's just the way he operates. It, it's just that simple. So I don't see them getting him uh, unless they, unless Sean Payton goes to the Arizona Cardinals. That's probably the more realistic op, uh, chance of them getting them. But outside of that, I don't see it happening. All right, I got you, big dog. I appreciate you for having me on. I know I haven't been active in the chat your past few shows, but I had like three events so far this year. And my bad. Happy New Year to you, big dog. And happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Much love to you, man. It's all good. I understand. You know, you're busy and stuff like that. Keep up the good work and, uh, you know, this this could kill you to grind, man. Appreciate you uh, chiming in. You, sir, bro. Like, I'm I'm proud of you, man. And I'm proud of the. The Who that nation for sticking with the team, even when it's rough, man. We're gonna come up out of this, we always do. You hear me? Yeah, I know we will, man. Uh, Keen Arthur, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Hey, I am, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, it's, it's been rough, but nevertheless, I mean, that's why we have shows like this. And I mean, this whole offseason is intriguing because you're wondering to yourself, like, how can this team actually fit some of the, the things that fix some of the things that they've been dealing with. But let's go ahead and finish up the uh, the phone call. Let's go to Dalton. Dalton, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you, bro? I'm doing all right. What, what you got for us? Well, before I go to the quarterbacks, I want to discuss about the offense coordinator. Yeah, I mean, yeah go ahead. Depends on Pete Carmichael or if he stays or leaves, though. Mm-hmm. There's some – like, I don't want no Joel Lombardi and uh, Ronald Curley because I don't want no Sean Payne's playbook anymore. Like, I want, like, a new one. Hmm. That's fair. I mean, I, I'm with you, Dalton. I, I'm serious. And I, I've said this before. I just think that you need to get rid of that, that, that whole Sean Paytonism, the Drew Reesisms. And I just feel like the New Orleans Saints want to keep that around. You know, it's it, to me, it, it's like, you know, keeping your ex-girlfriend's sweater or keeping, you know what I'm saying, like her slipping yeah. by the bed. You know, like, you got to let it go, man. You know, like, let, let, allow somebody else to come into your life and, and make your life better. And I just think that if you look at it, Dalton, there are so many different coordinators out here, man, that can bring the Saints and give them something different. And us as a fan base, it can give, the, give them something different as well. 
like when we going out here watching this team. But right now, it's just not working, man. Exactly, because I wouldn't mind bringing Frank Wright because, like, I agree, like, he shouldn't got fired with the Colts as a head coach. Mm-hmm. I think he got robbed from that. I oh, mean, yeah. Yeah, one, Yeah, one Joe Brady. And also, I know we need an offensive-minded and quarterback whisperer. I got two of them who's not the quarterback whisperer. I think Anthony Lynch should be the good one. I don't, I, don't, I know he won't probably won't leave, though. Mm-hmm. But I got another one. And here's a question. Do you think you'll ever get an offense coordinator? I'm talking about Deuce Staley. Hmm. Uh, he's a, uh, Deuce Staley? Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, absolutely. Like, it, it's coming. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel he's going to get himself an opportunity. I mean, he's put up, a, you know, enough of good capital uh, over the uh, couple, last couple of years. And um, I, I definitely think that he's like a, a diamond in the rough. Now, I don't know how he, he interviews. I know that before he's got to look at for different positions and, you know, from uh, other teams. But I, I think that you definitely need to give him an opportunity to be able to, you know, become a coordinator. Right, because I know we need, like, quarterback whisper. There's some other coaches – that good, even though it's not quarterback whisper. Like when I mentioned Anthony Lynn and Deuce Staley, and you know Anthony Lynn didn't work out with the Lions, though. I think he's still gonna be a good corner with us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm more like I'm more looking for a guy that can fix the issues at the quarterback position. Like if it's this same. was if it like Dalton, if it was like an experienced quarterback, like a guy who like a Mahomes, like a like a Josh Allen, like one of those guys. I, I wouldn't be as concerned about who the coordinator is going to be versus like if, if you, wh- whoever you get, like I, I mentioned this, rather it's Derek Carr, rather it's Jimmy Garoppolo, rather it's Lamar Jackson, you're going to have to find a coordinator that fits that particular skill set because no disrespect to them. They have, for the exception of Lamar Jackson, they have not shown the ability to be able to carry and put a team on their back week in and week out. So, I'm looking for a coordinator that's going to be able to get the best out of a guy because I think that, you know, you're going to need a coordinator that's going to have to be able to work. And I agree. Yeah. Not not guys that are just trying to figure it, like not going through the motions, but actual guys that have actually been through certain situations, understand situations, able to get the best out of them. That makes sense? Yes, sir, it does. Okay. Yeah. But what else the- you got, man? Well, on the quarterbacks, though, mm-hmm. like, I know we need to get veteran quarterback, though. But for me, also, I think we need to get a rookie quarterback, though. I mean, yes, I know C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young will be going to be, like, top five because the Bears don't need one because they need trade down. Yep. Yep. They don't need them. They, they don't need them. And I, I find it funny, uh, Dalton, that people are talking about, you know, Justin Fields, like, Justin Fields is not a bad quarterback. Like, he's, he's taking steps forward. So why would you waste the first overall pick on a quarterback? Like, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, this dude has great upside. I mean, the 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 uh, combination between him and Moody, you know, the, the wide receiver out of Tulane, like, it seemed like they're getting on the same page. Uh, Chase Claypool was a mistake. Uh, but you still have, like, other guys that are on this team. And you, you add a couple more pieces – to the wide receiver room, I think that you should be fine and Justin Fields will be able to take off. I agree. Like, depends where Champagne goes. Like, when he mentioned the Texans, though, I figured he would have dropped C.J. Stroud because, remember, he loves how State court players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can see – well, the only reason why I'm, I'm mentioning, like, okay, if 
is Sean Payton, let's just say, for example, he um he gets hired by the Texans. The reason why I'm saying this, Dalton, is because he, he, when he was on um Colin Cowherd's show, he said something to me that stood out. And he was talking about drafting players. And when it comes to like certain positions, there's certain sizes, there's certain weights that you actually look at. I think that even though a lot of people would consider Bryce Young quarterback out of Alabama as the, you know, the first quarterback that should be taken off the board, I think that Sean Payton will look at Will Levis's upside, is you know what I'm saying, his build, and I think that that would probably cause him to draft him before he would draft a guy like Bryce Young. I just think that Sean Payton looks at the measurables. You got other guys who probably just go for the talent, and um, I think that's probably why. But when it comes to, like, C.J. Stroud, uh, too good to be fall to the Saints if they was to make a deal and get that 12 pick. And so is Bryce Young. So I don't see that happen. And that makes sense, though. Like, um, if I get 12, like, like if that happens, like, I'm pretty sure we'll trade down because Anthony Richardson, he, he won't be a 12 pick, though. He'll be, like, the late first round, early right. second round. Right. Tanner McGee, he's not worth first round. He'll be, like, a second round. Mm-hmm. And Hendon Hooker, not only because ACL is age is costing him in the second round. Right. Yeah. I mean, you got you got quarterbacks that you can choose from, so it's not the, it's not the end of the world. And um, no, it's not. You, you got, but like I said, it it all it's all about doing your due diligence with your scout team, and also bringing in the right guy that is going to be able to pull that potential out of those guys. So if you're going to go and get yourself a quarterback. You better make sure that you got the right coordinator that's whispering in that guy's ear to make the best decisions. Now, you're going to have growing pains. Like, everybody, like, people ain't just about to hit the ground running, right? I mean, you, you the, the speed of the game is different. Uh, the time, the, cl- the clock in your head is a little bit different. So you got to be able to kind of, you know, go through the motions as a rookie quarterback. But if, if you build up enough positive and, you know, you still gonna have negative, but you have more positive than negative. I think that you should be fine, and I think that you have to find the right coordinator to get it out of them. Can't be a P. Carmichael, in my opinion. No, okay, I, I, I agree. You have to get right coordinator, yeah. right quarterback, though. And also, there's one quarterback I really want to have, though. But the problem is, mm-hmm. he's staying, and I'm talking like Bo Nix out of Oregon. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Bo Nix. I mean, you know, he started his career out there in uh, Auburn, then you know he transferred. Seemed like that was the best decision for him. Uh, he really kind of shocked me, you know, being uh, as good as he was for Oregon. I didn't I didn't expect, to be honest with you, for him to just be able to light it up like that. I think it was a smart decision. And a lot of people probably yeah, I, I don't I, I it bothers me when people get mad at these guys for for staying in school because it, it was the same way with Justin Herbert. Right. Justin Herbert. Right. They, everybody thought that he was going to come out his junior year. He decided to come back. People like, man, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? As you can see, there's nothing wrong with him. He's a pretty good quarterback. This is a guy that understands that maybe staying in school and being, you know, and being able to work on himself, maybe he'll he'll even he'll come out and have an even better draft positioning next year. Even though, I mean, look, I mean, the quarterback draft next year is stacked. Okay, you got Jordan Travis. Uh, you got May, you know, you got Mays out of um North Carolina. I mean, you got Caleb Wee. I mean, you got a bunch of guys that you're competing with, but at the same time, I, I respect him for understanding that he still has some growth to do, and uh, that might pay dividends to him. Same. The only thing I want the quarterback out of the draft, like who's a little leader also, and mm-hmm. 
like scheme fit with the right coordinator though. Like you want to get the role leader. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely do. You want to make sure that you get it right because Dalton, if you don't, you can find yourself setting your, your organization back five to 10 years and you definitely don't want to do that. And uh, so all. hopefully if the Saints pull the trigger on a the quarterback, they make the right decision. I agree. And by the way, I'm about to get off the takes for having me, sir. Now, no problem, Dalton, man. Thank you, man. It's always a pleasure uh, to hear from you, man. Thank you. No problem. You have a good right. day. All right, you too. Yeah, shouts out to Dalton, man. I mean, he always come through with the information, you know, always come through with the facts, and I always enjoy talking to him. Uh, I'm going to read a few more, and then we're going to go ahead and get up out of here. Um, I seen uh, Jerry said he was going to call back uh, another show. Jerry, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for, uh, you know, thank you for being here. Sean Payton uh, outsmarts himself way too often. Uh, his arrogance lost us some big games over the years. I 1,000% agree with that. Uh, let's see. I just don't get why running backs would go back to school uh, like uh, Zach uh, Trebonnet. I guess that's his name, Trebonnet, uh, for example, was a running back last year uh, out of UCLA. He's a nasty power back, but still went back uh, for as a senior. Well, look, sometimes – look, sometimes these guys just enjoy the college experience, you know, like sometimes – or it, it can be some things that these guys feel like they can work on. For example – uh, Travis Etienne, right? Travis Etienne, probably no. He put he would have been a top pick, probably the top running back coming out. But he realized going in from his junior to his senior year, he realized that he needed to work on his pass protection, right? So by him staying an extra year working on those things, as y'all can see, Travis Etienne is taking off now. Last year, unfortunately, ironically, in the game versus the Saints. Uh, he messed his knee up. He was out for the season. But now you're seeing that he's actually a whole lot better. So sometimes these guys stay in school because they want to work on the little small things to make themselves better. And also they want to work on, you know, maybe repositioning themselves in the draft. Now you got some guys that this it is what it is, you know, like, man, close, like they got to feed their family. They got families to feed. And that that goes into consideration. But a lot of these guys, sometimes they just want to stay in school, probably enjoy the experience, probably enjoy the camaraderie and some of the things they feel like they need to work on. They probably feel like he would be a better running back next year than he would be this year. And sometimes from what I've seen when guys like, you know, go back to school, you know, yeah, they come out and they, they seem like they're much better pros and they seem like they're more pro ready. You know, I, I feel like the issue with I talk I talked about him earlier with Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez to me came out of school too quickly. Even Pete Carroll said that. Pete Carroll was like, you know, I know he declared for the draft, but he probably should have come back one more year. And as you know, even though you know he he had some good spots, you know, going to the AFC Championship in his rookie year, back to back, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, as you can see, it started to fizzle out, and I just think that maybe. Staying in school a little bit longer probably would have helped them out tremendously. So it's not always the right time to chase the bag. I mean, look at Zach Wilson and the Jets right now. Uh, they made a bad decision. We don't need to be like that. I, I don't even want – like, Yellow, I'm going to say this. I can't say that Zach Wilson is a bad decision. I, I can't say he's a bad decision. Number one, he's a rookie. And number two, he plays in a market where they will feed – their children to the sharks and by that i mean they the media they they are cutthroat like seriously i do not feel i could be i could be wrong but i do not feel 
that we would be having this type of scrutiny when it comes to Zach Wilson if he didn't play for a New York team. It's it's just that simple. It's that simple. If he played for, let's just say if he played for the Falcons or he played for the Panthers or he played for one of these other teams that, that are considered small markets, I don't feel like it would be that big of a problem. What you have is they want guys that are polarizing, right? You know, like if if they think that you want to be polarizing, they're going to magnify that. Like somebody like Daniel Jones, you know the reason why they leave him alone? Because they don't do nothing. Like you don't see Daniel Jones on social media. You don't see Daniel Jones on commercial. Like this, they they found the closest thing they can find to Eli Manning. And you don't you ain't hear nobody in New York really talking about Eli Manning like that. You ain't see Eli Manning on the front of you know magazines and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, they'll probably talk about, oh, is he elite or something like that, you know, because it's a, a New York team. But you look at Zach Wilson, right? I mean, the story basically speaks for itself. You come from BYU, right? You know, BYU, they're known for the Church of Latter-day Saints, Mormons, right? You know, people that don't really bother nobody, keep to themselves, right? And all of a sudden, like you in this, you know, confined community, and then all of a sudden you get thrust you know, into like the big lights of New York. What was the big story that came out? Him messing around with older women, right? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like, so, dang, you know what I'm saying? Like, look look at this guy. He's supposed to be like church boy, and all of a sudden, look at him. You know what I'm saying? So that's what you want to be? We're going to make you that. And in the process, they start peeling back the layers and peeling back the layers. And when you start peeling them back enough, then all of a sudden, here come the news stories. I do not feel that it would gotten to this point, if he played for any other team. It's just the, it's just the market of New York. Is, is he like a good quarterback? Who knows? But New York is not going to give you an opportunity to figure it out. First game, I don't care what it is. Like, your first game, they're going to look at you and, and, and try to size you up. And if you don't measure up, guess what? Guess what, folks? Here come, here come the tabloids. Here come the tabloids. They, you don't have time. If Zach Wilson was the quarterback for the Saints, we would not be having this conversation. Why? Because the majority of us would be giving this dude the opportunity. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? He, he wasn't really as good as you, man. He, he, you know, he'll get better. That's just the way that it goes. Like, I just think that the market had a lot to do with it. If you're not a bona fide certified beast from the jump, New York will turn on you. And they, they have guys who... And ladies who are really, really good with that with that computer, and they can come up with them columns that can make you make that person look like they're the worst human being on on the face of God's green earth. That's just how it works, man. The media pushes Wilson up the board because of one control workout. Uh, he was definitely taken too high. Yeah, I mean the the media does that. They amplify you, but like you like um keeping it real, just mentioned you know the media put them up here, but they can break you too. The, me the media can put you up here and it can take you down as well. And sometimes they do that. They, they prop you up so they could take you down. So it can, it can seem like the biggest fall from grace for their own view and pleasure. Yeah, I mean, to me, he was not a top five prospect. I didn't think so either. Um, I had a lot of questions and I had calls to pause when he came down to Conway, South Carolina, play Coastal Carolina. There was it was uh, his last year at BYU. They came in. They were a top five team. They took on Coastal Carolina. 
and he looked like slow. Like, he looked like absolute slow. And the thing about it is they fell in love keeping it real with his arm talent. See, now it's the fact that you have Patrick Mahomes who can do all these magical things with his arm. Now anybody that resembles that, anybody that makes a highlight tape about that, all of a sudden, you know, like everybody just goes gaga over that guy. And that's what happened with Zach Wilson. But once again, um, I don't feel like he would have got this type of scrutiny, even though he is not, he he could end up not being what we don't want. I mean, what he didn't pan out to be. Um, I still feel like, you know, they, they didn't, they're not going to give him a chance. If you average, they're not going to give you a chance to be good. If you're good, they're not going to give you a chance to be great. If you're great, they're not going to give you a chance to be elite. That's just how it works, man. The wheels keep on turning. It's about it's about keeping the viewers intrigued. Rather, it's a, a rags to riches story, or it's an outhouse, you know, I mean, a penthouse to the outhouse situation. And right now, this is a penthouse to the outhouse situation that they uh, that Jack Wilson is dealing with. But that's just the way it goes, folks. Thank you all so much uh, for checking out the State of Saints podcast. Shouts out to everybody that chimed in. Really do appreciate it. Much love to you. Ask that you hit that like button on your way out. Ask that you hit the subscription button if you have not subscribed to the channel. Uh, coming up this evening, um, probably later on tonight, I'll be uh, doing a Therapy Couch podcast live. So if you want to check out the Therapy Couch podcast, uh, go ahead and chime in. Uh, we got a hot topic that we're going to be talking about. What we do is uh, we take a uh, topic um, that involves my life personally or uh, something that goes on in the news, and we kind of break it down. So podcast focused on mental health and, um, you know, just talking about different uh, things that's going on in the world. So if you like that kind of stuff, you're into that, uh, come back to the State of Saints podcast network channel right here. Uh, check it out. Also, you can check out the Gumbo Pie Sports podcast that's available as well. Got another episode coming out. We're going to get a little bit deeper into the conversation about Lamar Jackson. And also, we got to talk about it, man. Got to talk about it. Um, what's going on with the, the you know the the lack of uh you know black representation when it comes to the head coaches man we back at it again back at it again got to talk about that and also we got some more topics that we got to talk about gearing you up for the divisional round of the playoffs so keep it locked right here to the state of the saints podcast network previous episodes available on apple Podcasts, spotify iHeartRadio, anchor fm and also you can check me out on twitter at tjay jones eight till next time all I got to say is, who that?